your Bible to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> Just so you'll know, Jeremy was going to preach this morning. And uh, he had something come up, I mean, at the last minute. And he, he texted me and said, Dad, you're going to have to preach this morning. And, and I've been, I've been, you know, studying, but I hadn't. There's a difference between studying and putting together a thought process. You sure don't want me winging it. And uh, so I was like, are you serious? And anyhow, I haven't, we're, we're going to the prison this evening. And, um, and I had a message together for that. And so I thought, well, I guess, Lord, I just, I'll preach that message here this morning. And I don't know, it just, for some reason, it just, I don't feel like that's what the Lord wanted me to preach. And so, uh, y'all bear with me. My back is just horrendous today. I can't hardly stand up. But, um, uh, so I was sitting there, no, I'm good. Thank you. I was sitting there during a worship service and I thought, all right, Lord, I've been wanting to preach this this uh, text, you know, for a while, and I preach this a lot to y'all, I know that, but every time I do, hopefully it's a little bit different. My favorite text in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son, <coughs> and um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit different on it this morning um, than normally, so maybe you'll get something new out of it. Bear with me just a second. But before I do, I want to tell you a story. So there's this young preacher, and he uh, he gets invited to a church to do a, a three-night revival. And he goes, and on the first night he preaches, and uh, afterwards there was an elderly lady that came to him and shaking his hand. She said, boy, preacher, you are something else. And uh, he grinned and just soaked it up, and he's like, well, thank you. And... and uh, went on well that next night he got up he let him have it and gave up everything he could and afterwards that same lady came by and she shook her head and she said son you are something else and he he was loving it so last night he got up there and took his tie off took his coat off and preached for about an hour afterwards she came to him he said ma'am i'm gonna tell you something he said i I gave my best and I preached. I was so excited to preach the rest of this week because the first night you came through, you you said you are something else. She said, obviously you are because you're not a preacher. It's <laughs> probably what I've heard of many a time. But all right, looking at this in Luke chapter fifteen, and starting off in verse eleven. It says, then he said, a certain man had two sons. I, just let me encourage this morning, because, you know, I, I can say that. I just want you to get some points. If you, if God speaks to your heart this morning, write it down in your Bible. Write it down on something and go back. I've studied this for so many years, and God just, every time God speaks to me in this, so maybe I'll do that with you. It said, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He journeyed into a far country and he wasted his possession with prodigal, or that word means riotous living. And then when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. <clears throat> he began to be in want. 
And then he went and he joined himself to the citizen of that country and he, he sent him into the field uh, to feed swine. And when he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to them, say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I'm going to stop right there and, and I want to look at, at, um, three different, basically three different roads this morning. The first one is the road, the road to sin. You know, this boy starts off and, and it's, you know, the father, it says the father had two and there was a younger one and an older one. This younger one. He comes to his father and he said, I want the portions of goods that's due to me. Basically, I want my inheritance is what I want. And you'll notice here the reason that he wanted that inheritance was because the road to sin always starts in the same way. And it is believing the lie of the father's intentions towards you. You'll remember back when Adam and Eve we're in the garden, and, and and the Lord told him, you know, I've created everything for you. You have dominion over everything. I want you to enjoy it, but there's one thing. There's one tree I don't want you to partake of. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, don't eat of that tree, and I won't get into the reasons why this morning, but in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. You can have everything else. Don't eat of that tree, okay? And then what happens? The devil comes along in the form of a serpent, and he said, Did God say? He began to cast doubt in him, and then he said, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree because he knows when you eat that tree, you're going to be like him. You're going to be a God. And so what happens? Adam and Eve believes the lie of the Father's intentions towards them, questions and doubts his love towards them, and they head down the road to sin. And the same thing happens here, and it happens with every single one of us. Understand, you're either walking on a road to sin or you're off of it, but one time in your life, we have all been on this road, and so we can identify with this because we did not believe what God's Word says. We believe different things and lies about the Lord, and it puts us on this pathway, and you choose. You notice the Father said, this is the road you want to walk. He gave He gave the boy the goods. And then it says, and not many days after that. And this shows you what the son's intention was. Not many days after that, he took a far journey. So why did he do that? We can picture the story that Jesus is telling here. Basically, this young boy is like, I don't want you. I don't want you telling me what to do. And, And be sure you don't miss that. I don't want you. I don't want you telling me what to do. Your way is not the way that I want to live. I think there's better out there. I think I can find, you know, life and all that instead of all these rules that you have. I do want the goods. There's a lot of people today goes, oh, yeah, I want. I want God's blessings and I want God's goodness and I expect that from the Lord. But I don't want him telling me what to do. I don't want him telling me how to live. I don't want to tell him how to walk. We just want the goods and we want to do like him. We just want to go. And so this boy goes and it says he went into a far country. He didn't stay close. He went into a far country and it says that he, that he began to live this riotous life. And, and, and later you'll see it talks about a harlot. And basically it was the, a life of darkness and, and, and doing those things. 
But then you'll notice what happens when you're on the road to sin. You know, the road starts off smooth and then it starts getting a little rough. You got a lot of friends and a lot of people who, you know, you're living that, you're living that life. And the Bible even said there's pleasure in sin for a season. And all of a sudden, when we begin to indulge in that, especially as a lost person, God's spirit's not in you. Your spirit, the spirit of the Lord's dead in you, okay? And, and so there's nothing in you that causes you not to want to do that. So you just start indulging in whatever your flesh desires to indulge in. But here's the problem with that. It says, there he wasted his possessions. Number one, this is never the way God intended for us to go. This is, this is not what God intended for us to experience. God give us life and God's given us so many things. He's like, I've got a purpose and a plan for you that's good. It's not easy. You know, it's not the patty cake route, but it will produce what you're looking for in life if you'll just trust me and follow me. And the boy's like, nah, I don't like that thing. I'm going after what I see with my eyes. Okay? And so he lives and he wastes what God or what the Father had given him here in the story. And notice what it says in verse 14. It says, but when he had spent all. Now, you might be in a place right now to where you're on that road. To where you're like, I'm, you know, I don't know about all this. You know, some people have attitude, preaching stuff and churchy stuff and religious stuff. You know, right now where I'm at looks pretty good. And, and there are times where the road will appear to look pretty good. But understand, there's going to come a point in time where you're going to spend all. You're going to spend all. And all of a sudden, notice when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. No more satisfaction. Where's all the friends? Where's the nightlife? Where's all the stuff that started off appearing like this is what I've always been looking for? And the next thing you know, yeah, have you ever noticed anything that, that deals with the flesh? You can look at, you know, food. You start off with a little food. You got to have more food and you want more food. You start off alcohol. Not, not, it, it doesn't just stop you like, well, you just have a little bit. Yeah, right. You start off and you have to have more and more and more drugs, more and more and more. You know, godlessness, bad relationships, i got to have more because the flesh goes, it's not enough, you need more. That's what it means to be in want. All of a sudden, just I find myself. And there's, there's people who start off looking for, thinking they'll find life in money and, and attention and, and power and position. All these things that... That our culture projects, this is life, this is what you live for. Once you get to here, I've never met those people who got to there. I've never met, I know people who got millions and, and people who own and people who are. and All these great things that I've never seen anybody went, I, I made it. I'm totally satisfied, totally content, perfectly happy. What I find is the more that they get, the more that they want. The more that they want. And he began to be in want. <clears throat> Notice what it says, and then he... He went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the pigs, the swine. He would have gladly, notice what, this is, this is what sin brings you to. He's living as a slave, he's starving to death, he's living in fields, and ain't nobody there cares. Nobody, and I want to emphasize, there cares. Where's all the people that you thought were your friends now that you don't have the money and the hype and, 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 and all the, you know, the popularity? You know, he's out here. There's none of those people around. They don't care. They were just using him for what they could get. You know, he's so far from the father and, and, and everybody in his family, you know, they don't know what's going on. They do care. Understand, if you're here today and you go, I'm living that life, I'm in the filth, I'm, I feel like I'm starving to death and I'm in want of sin, the road of sin has brought me to this place. 
You might have people around you that it seems don't care, but there's people here that do care. The Lord cares, I can tell you that. And so he's sitting there, and, and, and he said he would have gladly filled his stomach. I, w- I want to ask you this question, just, you know, just think about this for a second. All of us have made terrible decisions in life. Amen? We have. And, and maybe this will keep some of you young people from making terrible decisions. You never, you never, when you when I made bad decisions, God made a bunch of them, made bad decisions in my life, did you ever sit there and look and go, you know what? I realized, and I, I didn't do this, this is just illustration. Oh, yeah, it looks fun. All the other kids are smoking dope, and, and so, you know, I'm just going to smoke a little dope. Those people who started off just going, it's just for fun, never thought that one day they would be somewhere laying in their own vomit in an environment of absolute wickedness and darkness, behind a prison door, you know, with no teeth, no health, no friends, no one who cared. They never thought you... Sin never says, before you, before you do it, understand this is where you're going. What sin says is, oh, you're different from those. You're not going to be an addict. You're not going to be an alcoholic. You're not going to end up in a divorce. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to murder somebody. David, when he looked upon Bathsheba, wasn't sitting there going, you know what? I know I'm going to have to kill a man. Sin doesn't do that. Sin blinds you to go, just live in the moment. Just live in the moment. And all of a sudden, when you take a step on that road, the devil just scoops you up. And he's like, come on, walk with me. Just walk with me. And, and here's the thing. Do you really believe that you can walk with the devil and still enjoy righteousness and the the peace and the life and the blessing of God? Do you think that? Do you think the devil's going to be like, hey, let's just let's just hang out here because I don't want to carry you no further. The Bible said he come to kill, steal and destroy his whole purpose, because that's a downhill road. You know what? This this place where this boy is, it's the prelude to hell. Understand, I heard it say so many times, you know, I believe I'm living in hell on earth. You have no idea. There's nothing in this world that even starts to compare to hell, even just a little bit. But you know what? That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to lie to you. He wants to grab a hold of you. And he wants to just carry you right down that road. And it's a steep and winding road. And it gets steeper and slippery as you go. And you go deeper and you go deeper until really the devil just lets you go and go, you got it now. And we just keep heading down. That's where sin brings you. I just want to stress that this morning. Because maybe you're not there. And I hope you're not. But you could be at that place where you're looking. Because doesn't the devil always go, hey, look at this. Even I'm talking with believers. You know, with believers, you're like, hey, little business decision here. You know, it ain't no big deal. But you could really make some money. And then you would have all this time to serve the Lord. And you look at his eye, one little compromise, you got to give up what you're doing, serving the Lord. You're going to have to compromise in your morals. You're going to do this, but you know what, it's just for a little while. No big deal. Hey, God understands, grace, grace. And next thing you know, we take that step, and he's like, come with me, come with me. I've got plans for you. Understand, there's nobody who's above it. And there's no, um, how do you say, there's no... Uh, what is it? Exception to the rule. There's no, my wife's preaching with me. Thank you. There's no exception to the rule. Do not think that you can go, they can't handle it, but I can. That's the worst thing you can think. When you think that, that's the devil speaking. He's like, you can handle it, boy. You can handle it. Girl, you, you got this. You ain't weak like them. 
You don't need all that Jesus stuff. You don't got to be so committed. You don't got to live. That preacher up there, the reason he's doing that, because he couldn't handle it, and his marriage fell apart. Yours won't. He couldn't handle this, and so he's up there. He's just weak. He sure is. That's what makes me strong. And so here's the thing. <clears throat> this, is the, this is a good part. You know, everybody can be where this, this person is at the lowest place that you never, this boy never thought he would be there. Is, am I talking to anybody? You ever been in a place in your life where sin carried you where you thought, I never thought I'd be here. Man, I have. There, but here's the hope. You know what? The Lord does care. Give me just a second. Notice what it says in verse 17. He said, but when he came to himself. You know, I've always imagined him down there feeding them nasty pigs and, and stinking. You know, he was covered with the same thing the pigs were covered with. Hadn't had a bath. Hair growed out. We don't know how long he was there. He was there for a long time. Just feel you couldn't, you know, wouldn't recognize him. From what he went to, his father was obviously rich down to just poverty. Eating with the pigs. And I think all of a sudden. Spirit, it's the Spirit of the Lord is what it is. Brings him to himself to go, what? What am I doing here? That's the insanity of sin. And hopefully to God, if you ever get there, you'll hear the voice of the Lord and go, what am I doing here? I went to school with a guy. You know, bear with me. Went to school with a guy, and man, he was in school. He was, I grew up with him in school. Popular, successful, sports, everything. You know, he was just one of them guys. And, 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 and all that stuff. And, and I remember... I lost touch with him uh, after I got out of school. And it's been about five or six years ago. His dad called me on the phone. He said, hey, this is so-and-so. And uh, I said, yes, sir. He said, I got a, I got a, uh, and I, play, I played baseball with this boy. He said, I got a request uh, for you. And I said, what is it? He said, well, you know, my son, my son is in jail. I said, all right. He said, he's been on dope for years and this and that. And now they finally arrested him. And this is about the second or third time. And, He's he's looking at going to prison. He said, would you mind going and seeing him? I said, I will. So I hadn't seen him since school. And, and I went to the jail there here at Anderson County Jail. And, you know, you, when you walk in there, you got the glass and all that stuff. And, and I'll never forget when he walked out, the look on his face. And I didn't even really hardly recognize him. I was like, wow. And he come and he sat down across from me. And we picked up the phone. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? And I wasn't going to lie. I said, you're looking good. I, I said, you look terrible. He said, I do. I said, this is not who you are. This is not what God intended for you. And, you know, he started crying. He said, this, isn't, this is not what God intended for me. You, you never know. You know, you think that you can never get to this place. But, but sin is so insane that it will carry you to that place so quick. And you'll come up and you'll pay a price. If you don't get anything else out of my, my message, remember this this morning. The bill comes due. The bill's going to come due. You're going to pay the fare when you make those decisions. But here's the thing. He come to himself, and, and this, is, this is where the road home starts, okay? This is what repentance looks like. It's coming to the reality of you're wrong, the decisions you made were wrong, and you're the one who got you where you're at. Don't go blaming anybody else, just... Look at where you're at. You're the one who got you there, but there's only one who can get you out, okay? And notice what he says. He says, how many of my father's hired servants? This is truth. He starts 
dwelling on truth. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish? I'm dying with hunger. Now, now the boy makes up his mind. This is, this is what he's going to do. I will arise. Hey, if you're going to get out of the hog pen, you got to get up and go. Repentance doesn't mean, oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm in the hog pen. I'm going to stay here and wallow around and I'm just going to invite you into my heart to be a part of my hog pen. That's not in the Bible. That's not the gospel. The gospel says, good news. There's a father who has a place for you. Get up and go to him. And so he gets up and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him. Now, this is where he goes wrong. Notice what he says. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. He said, that's right. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. So what was he doing? He's like, I'm going to work myself back into good standing. Don't we do that? Man, when we mess up and we fall and we fail, all of a sudden it's not, we, we totally misconceive grace and the love of Jesus altogether. The Father's love never changed for the boy. But all of a sudden we think, all right, I messed up this week and I messed up today or I messed up this year and I've come to my senses to go, I need the Lord. So what am I going to do? I'm going to, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give God this great speech and then I'm going to go to church and read my Bible and do my thing and this and that. And I'm going to just, I'm going to be a hired servant. You know what you are when you're a hired servant? That means God owes me forgiveness because I'm so good. Because I'm working my way Back to you, babe. <laughs> <I'm, laughs> some of y'all get. I'm working my way. Oh, God help us. That's why I need notes. I'm working my way back to good standards with you so that I can stand before you and go, hey, I did it. And the Lord's like, okay, you're welcome back. God doesn't work that way. And I'm so thankful that, that God doesn't work that way. So, so the boy has his plan. This is the way God works right here. This get this, this is the best part of the whole story. It says he arose and he came to his father. But when he was a great way off, notice what his father saw him. And he had compassion on him. And he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. You're like, what is, what is this picture? This is Jesus sharing the cross. This is what grace does. Like he saw him a long ways off. He, he recognized him. Remember this boy? He ain't had a haircut. Who knows what he's wearing? Covered in filth, beard grown out, hair grown out. You know, he looks like a 70s hippie. Looks totally different from when he left. And all of a sudden, his father walks out and he's standing there on the, on the porch and he looks and he sees him. He recognizes him. God recognizes you no matter where you're where sitting, carries you. Ain't that good? But you notice a lot of us have this picture of the Lord that when we mess up, that the father walks out on the porch and he stands there like this. And we just, the closer we get, the lower we get, and we crawl. It's like the principal, you know. I looked at that a bunch of times in school. Tapping his foot. We're just, we're ready for him to shower it down. We know we deserve it. But what Jesus says, let me explain to you what grace is. Grace is God ran to the sinner. Do you get that God? He said, this is what Jesus said. In your filth, in your filth, that boy didn't take a bath. He didn't clean up prior to coming. He was so beat up by sin. He just like, I just need to go home. And when he starts up that road, his father runs to him and grabs him. He embraces in the boy's filth. 
That's what Jesus did at the cross. He ran to the sinners. He ran to us. And what did he do? He wrapped us up in his love and he said, I am going to become just like you so that you can become just like me. Whew, man, that's good stuff. And so... So notice this, the boy gives the speech. The son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and, and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Here's the misunderstanding. You never were. You realize if you're here today and go, oh, I'm, a, oh, I'm a Christian and I've done some things I don't feel worthy. You never were. We never were. I never was worthy to be called his son. He made me worthy. He made me worthy. And then it says, uh, <laughs> he, he gives a speech. What did, how did the father react to the speech? He didn't. He didn't even acknowledge what the boy said. He just totally ignored. He's like, whatever. I've already, I've already prepared for this. Notice what he says. Y'all say, well, I know it's a little bit, but I, I gotta give you this. He said, the father said to the servants, bring out a mediocre robe. Bring out whatever gets us by to cover up his mess. He's like, bring out the best robe and you put it on him. He didn't even have to put it on himself. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. They began to throw a party. Let me give you this real quick, okay? You got, what did he get? He got a robe, he got a ring, and he got sandals. Three things for that if you've never heard this, okay? The robe is a picture of righteousness. That's what happens. The Bible said, he, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. He took on a robe of flesh. He took on the robe of Randall Reeves and went to the cross, covered in blood and God's wrath. In order that when I come home, he could take his robe of righteousness and he put it on me. He gave him a ring. A ring signified ownership. With that ring, that boy could go to the feed store and go, um, that's my daddy, I need to charge. Whatever was his is now on your account. The sandals, you remember the boy's speech? He said, make me as one of your hired servants. Only the sons got sandals. Servants went barefooted. He's like, I want you to know you're not a servant. You're not hired. You're my son. Ain't that good, y'all? Let that sink in. And so, and then, so they begin this, and, and you'll notice at that point in time, this is, what, this is what it looks like to be saved, okay? You come to the knowledge of truth, you turn to Jesus, you figure out he's already met you there where you're at. He clothes you in his righteousness, he gives you full authority of a son. He wants his love to sink in and go, you ain't working for this, I've already paid for it. I bought the sandals. Now just, here's what happened. Remember the devil's on the road, seeing, all of a sudden you're like, uh, it's not the way I want to go. And Jesus is like, then let's walk home. That's what repentance is. You just change the people who's on the road with, and the devil, the devil has to let you go. And the Lord's like, let me, let me clothe you. Let me totally transform your life, and we're going to walk the rest of the way home. We're going to throw a party. Some of y'all get that in a couple of days, all right? Now, maybe the rest of this is for you. Most, most of the time, that's where you end the story and you give the invitation. I'm not today. I want you to see this because I think about half the church is right here. Notice what it says in, uh, um, let me find my place, verse 25. Remember, they're throwing a party there. It's a feast. They're just, man, they're celebrating. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, 
And as he came, he drew near to the house. He heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and said, what do these things mean? What's going on? He said unto him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Brother ought to be happy about that. But notice this in verse 28. But he was angry. Wouldn't even go in. Therefore, his father, oh, get this. The father loves him too. Now, get this, all right? He don't just love the prodigal. He also loves the son, and he comes out to him. He meets his son. And he says, uh, I want you to get this. He said, the father came out to him and pleaded with him. So he answered, and he said to his father, Lo, you know, notice how he gauges his relationship. There's a lot of believers who, who are saved by grace, and then all of a sudden we get this attitude like because we've been saved for years and we've been in church all these years and we've done all this stuff, we forget what grace was all about. Sometimes we forget we're just as filthy and sorry as the people in the pig pen. You know, you know why that boy had room to be in the pig pen? Because I got up and walked out. And so he says, I've been serving you. I Notice this. Oh, this is so self-righteous. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And you, here goes the accusation, never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came in, he say my brother, who has devoured your, your livelihood with harlots and you killed the fatted calf for him. So what was this son saying? As I read this, I thought, who really is the prodigal here? We always want to focus on the worldly one and the, the sinner who was in the pig pen. But this one is just as wicked. You understand that when you mock and abuse grace, it's just as wicked as going out living in filthy darkness. It's just as dark. It can be just as dark in the church as it is in the world. When God's people forget that you were that sinner, you were that one who was, and I, funny, I tell my wife this week, I said, it's funny some of the looks you get when I say this, but I was wicked to the bone, godless, wicked, enemy of God, and every one sitting here was too. Don't think that you wasn't, oh, I wasn't, then you are now because you're self-righteous. It took just as much of the blood of Jesus to save me as it did anybody who's ever been saved in the same amount to save you. We're all godless, wicked to the bone. I don't care if your mom birthed you on this stage. You were lost and going to hell just like anybody else. And so in that, that boy said, I've been serving you. That was his robe of righteousness. He's, a, he's basically standing in a place of judgment where he thinks, I got it all together. And God, you know what? You owe me. You never gave me anything for all my faithfulness. All the years I've been in church. All the years that I taught Sunday school and that I preached. And, and I was a deacon. And I never missed. And I was a Baptist. And I memorized the doctrine. I never did this. And I never did that. I'm like, you're yeah, right. You know what that daddy was sitting there when he said, I've never broken your commandments. The daddy was like, you're right. You're right. I know a few things you've done. And you owe me. You, you know, that's what religion does. For people who go, oh, I hear it all the time. You Baptist, you Baptist thing, you know, just because you have faith in Jesus and all of a sudden you just go out. I don't believe you go out and live like the devil because you're saved. I believe you, you walk away from that because you're saved. I absolutely 100% take the Bible stand all day long. When a person is born again, truly born again, you have eternal life and you're secured by the Spirit of God and you're saved forevermore. I'll stand on that all day long. It's not a belief. It's a fact. 
But here's where I'm at. It's not because of me. It's because of Jesus, and it causes me, his spirit inside of you causes you to go, I want to walk with the Father. I want to follow Jesus, okay? If you don't have that, you're never saved to start with. But you hear that all the time, and you go, you know what, I believe that that you're saved by grace. And here's the difference in a lot of these denominations. I believe we're saved by grace. Just about every denomination say, oh, yeah, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But, but I believe you've got to serve. I believe you got to serve, and you got to. I've heard it so many times. You got to live it. This boy was living it. He was serving, and what you're saying is, and now God owes me. I'm not saved wholly by grace. I'm saved by a little bit of grace and a whole lot of me. And God is indebted to me. We know what grace is. Grace goes. You're indebted to God because of all of His goodness that you didn't deserve. He's done everything. What what people like do is like go. You know what? I'd rather God owe me. God's in debt. You know, Lord, I have served. If you ever prayed like this, God, I've been serving you my whole life. And you know, Lord, that I'm not like these other people. Why don't you answer my prayers? Why don't you give me? You owe me because I've been so good. Yeah, that's just as much as prodigal's other one. Would you agree? And then, you know, we always find somebody like his poor brother. He's like, he's just, you know, he goes out and he lives his life in harlot. What is he saying is? There's a whole lot of church people today. I've never been like him. I don't think he's here in this church. But I've been in some church where people come in and they look and they see, especially a known sinner. Well, you can ease your way. We'll make it to where they got to work their way into the congregation. Somebody fresh out of jail, somebody fresh off of dope, somebody fresh off of alcohol. You work your way in. Don't move in the front, sit in the back. Don't serve up here, sit back there. Keep it in the darkness, work your way into the light. Because we've never been like you. I've been in church my whole life. Nothing like you. Took a little bit of grace for me. Hold a lot of grace for you. That's what he was doing here. And both of them was just as wicked. But here's the good part. Okay, if you're here today and go, you know what? I, I might be a little self-righteous. Look in verse 31. This I'm finishing right here. He said, And he said to him, Son. Did you get that? He didn't say, Servant. He didn't allow that boy's misunderstanding of grace to change his view of the son. He's like, I want you to realize you are what you are because of who I am. There's a whole lot of church people today that if they are saved, they are sons and daughters of God. And you need to figure this out. You don't earn your way into a family. You're born into it. And the same father that loved the, the wild idiot, loved the self-righteous religious person, he's like, what y'all both need to do is realize that it ain't about you. It's about my love for you and what I've provided for you. It's my ranch. It's my home. It's my calves. Everything here is what i provided for you and your sons. And because your sons, everything that I have is yours. If you realize that, you know what you'll be? Brothers. And you'll love each other and you'll love me. And it all works smooth. If you're here today, this is my best clothes that I can give you. And you don't know Jesus, just I just want to challenge you with this. Is that what your conversion looked like? Every conversion in the Bible, every story that Jesus tells looks identical to that. There's a place in my life where I, if I was on the road to sin. Godless, in filth, covered in it, wicked to the bone, with no hope, 
in want, starving on my way to death and hell and everything else. And I'm the one that put me there. My choice, my decision, I didn't want anything to do with God. And because of God's spirit, I heard the word. Somebody shared the gospel with me. And I came to my senses just enough to go, I need to go home. And you got up from where you were and you went to the cross of Jesus where he ran to you, identified with you, and offered you love and forgiveness and grace. And you walked there a godless, wicked sinner, and you walked away a transformed son or daughter of the king. If you haven't experienced that, or you're like, well, mine wasn't like that, there's only one way. Do you understand? There's only one way. There's no other way. There's no other description of salvation than that description. It's probably the clearest presentation of the God. And if you haven't come to that place where you de- listen to me, you don't got to come up here. The father didn't go, hey, wait a second. I see you on the way home. Let me get a preacher so he can pray a prayer with you. He needs to listen to your confession. He's like, you know what? This between me and you, son. And I'll just tell you this. It's not about the words you say. So many people think, what I pray, what I say. You realize that the father ran to him and embraced him as a son before he ever said the first word. He saw the heart. He saw the boy turning and coming home. And he's like, I will, I run to you. God saves you. Not by your words and your confession. Yeah, that comes naturally. But God looks at the heart when we come to the place to go, I need that. Maybe you're here this morning you go, I need that. You don't got to come up here in front of everybody. I don't even care if you tell me today. Sooner or later, I'd like to know that we're family. But it's not about all that stuff. You understand? My, my concern is not that everybody sees you here. My concern is that when we're in heaven, everybody sees you there. And whether you do it where you're sitting, where you're standing in a minute, while the music is going. You know, when we play music, you ain't going to go, all right, let's get out here. The, the music is like, all right, maybe the Lord's dealt with you and we're giving you an opportunity that you don't got to come up here. You can pray where you're at. If you want to come up here and pray, I'll pray with anybody. My wife, and we got people who would just love to pray with you. But listen to me. This is between you and Jesus. And this is what I know according to the truth. Maybe you're sitting in the hog pen this morning. Maybe you need to stand up and go, I'm going to rise up and I'm going home. He's going to run to you. God wants to save your soul. And maybe you're here and you're one of those people that you identify with the older brother. Think you're all that. You're not. Neither am I. We need to come to a place to go, I'm going to love my brother. Here's, here's what the older brother should have done. If he would have understood grace, you know what would have happened? He would have went out to the hog pen and brought his brother back. That's what God calls us to do. You know what witnessing is? You need to witness. You know, it's not going around beating doors and, and annoying people. It is. You know what? I have a coworker. I have a brother. I have a sister. I have a mom. I have a daddy. I have a friend. I have a church member. And I know they're out there. They're lost. And I love them because he loved me. And I love them enough to go out there and get in that filthy hog pen with them in order to bring them back to the Father. That's what God's called us to do. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. (coughs) Lord, I thank you for loving us. Truly, God, grace is amazing. And I just pray everyone else will be brought to the place, whether it's out of the hog pen or down from where we think we're so great.
back to the level ground of the cross to realize it ain't about anything anybody's done other than you. You have loved and provided everything for us. God, the only reason we sing is not because we're worthy. We sing because you're worthy. We praise because you're worthy. We serve because you're worthy. God, your grace is what changes us. Pray for someone here today that never realized how much you love them. That they'd realize that right now, Lord, and they would just turn their heart to you. God, right where they stand, Lord, they'd trust you. And just embrace the love that you want to embrace them with, Lord. I pray as your people. God, that we'd wake up and see there's so many people that we know who are so far out there. That you've called us to go to those people, to those places. To tell them about the love that's transformed us. God, help us not to be self-righteous, egotistical Baptists. Believers. But God, that we'd be a people who has been shaken by your grace. And God, we just can't keep that to ourselves. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.